Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I'm so delighted you're here with me today. Today, we have a very special guest with us. We have with us Mr. Rich Lewis. He is an author, a speaker, a coach. He wrote the book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Our True Self Through Centering Prayer. And today he's going to talk to us all about his journey of finding centering prayer and how it has helped him in his own life to live a better life, to discover his true self. And I think that this is going to be beneficial for everyone who's listening today. So I'm so excited that he is here with us. Cannot wait to get started. Before we get started with today's episode, here's a word from our sponsor. Welcome to the Miracles Happen Fertility Podcast, where science and spirit are the focus of creating your most fertile life. You'll find a beautiful balance of grounded science-based topics, as well as spiritual talk, and how they're both important for moving toward optimal fertility. All of this delivered with straight-up talk and humor. Join us as we chat about topics ranging from mental wellness to complementary medicine to meditation, crystals, intuition, and psychic mediumship. Listeners' favorite topics range from practical daily skills to spirit baby communication, all to help you move through the family building journey and the rest of your life with relative ease, awareness, and self-empowerment. I'm your host, Dr. Maria Rothenberger, a fellow fertility friend, therapist, coach, best-selling author, and spirit baby intuitive. Listen on your favorite podcast platform or at my website, drmariarothenberger.com. I'll see you there. So I want to welcome you to the show today, Rich. Great. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And hopefully I will help your community or, or share something maybe that's new to them and that they'll, they'll try it. I'm sure you will. Uh, that's the one thing I love about doing this podcast is getting to meet people like you who have been on their own journeys and have learned so much and have come and just decided to share their wisdom with the world because um, it is so needed right now. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Sure. Appreciate it. Thanks. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? How did you discover centering prayer and why did you feel the need to then write a book about it and go out speaking about it? Okay. Um, I guess I, I had always been attracted to silence. I just didn't know what to do in the silence. So I had read books, I think, probably back in 2010, 2011 by Carl McCullman, uh, a couple books of his, and he talked a lot about silence and contemplative prayer and how powerful and transforming it was. I don't remember him mentioning a practice. I've since learned he does practice centering prayer. So at that time, I, I would just sit in silence for a few minutes at a time and just try it and, and persist and did that for a couple months or so. And it was brutal and hard, but I, I, but I guess I persisted. But then in late 2013, I was simply looking for a book to read on Amazon, and I came across a book called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots by Amos Smith. And as I read his book, he talked about a silent prayer practice he did called Centering Prayer. And that immediately intrigued me because, and, and he had been practicing it for some 15 years. So I actually reached out to him on his website. We began a back and forth email dialogue and lots of questions and getting to know each other. And I began practicing centering prayer, um, dabbling in it in 2013 and the beginning of 2014 and reading other books on it and, and of other authors as well. 
and and it just resonated with me as, as a practice. It was, I guess it was, a, it showed me how do you sit in the silence before I just sat in the silence. And that's, that's difficult because you have thoughts coming at you all the time and you're thinking, I don't even want to be here. I need something else to do. Why am I doing this? This is a waste of my time and different things like that. Whereas the centering prayer was, was a tool or practice that taught me how to sit in the silence and, and, and open to the presence of God within and how to deal with my thoughts. So it, it made it easier probably because I was struggling for five, six months just sitting and now I had a tool of how you sit in the silence and open to God. So I guess I began seriously practicing centering prayer June 1, 2014. I decided to do it twice a day for 20 minutes as, as much as possible, um, according to what I had learned from Amos and according to the Contemplative Outreach, which is really the main centering prayer organization, recommends that you work your way up to two sits of 20 minutes a day. So that's that's really how I found centering prayer, um, and I'm glad I found it. I wish I had found it sooner, but maybe I maybe I wasn't ready for a silent prayer practice before then. <laughs> now, for those who are sitting out there, maybe they don't quite know what centering prayer actually is. I know that my audience does contain a lot of people who are into spirituality, but maybe they've never heard that particular term. So for those of us who are out there listening and maybe saying, what does that actually mean? Can you give us a quick little explanation of what centering prayer actually is? Sure. It's the centering prayer, and I'll give a little history of what it is, how, when it was founded, and then how you do it. And I can do that fairly quickly. Um, so it's considered meditation and a relationship with God. So because basically during centering prayer, you're sitting silently and opening to the presence and actions of God within so centering prayer itself was created about 50 years ago in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks. They saw other forms of, so three Catholic priests, that they saw other forms of meditation happening and they wanted something for the Christian community. One of the priests, Father William Manager, was reading a book, a 14th century book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And as he read this book, kind of a method of wordless silent prayer popped out at him as he read it. And he began talking with the other with two other priests, Thomas Keating and Basil Pennington. And the three of them kind of created centering prayer and then began teaching it to other clergy, lay people. And then 10 years later, Thomas Keating uh, really founded the Contemplative Outreach organization. So they have a website called contemplativeoutreach.org, and it has a ton of centering prayer resources, and it has groups that practice internationally, the U.S. as well as outside of the U.S. You can find groups that practice either at a location or many of them via Zoom with, with, with COVID, uh, many of them via Zoom. So that's gives you a brief history of it. It's, it's, it is considered meditation, but the difference is it's also considered a relationship with God because we're opening to the presence and actions of God within during our silent sit. We're not saying any words. And then how you do it is you sit comfortably with your eyes closed, and then interiorly you introduce what we call a sacred word. It's usually one or two syllables. So it could be love, ocean, a color, Jesus, God, faith, something like that. And you introduce that interiorly. You don't say, you just kind of think it. And that signifies you're sitting with God and you're opening to the presence and actions of God within. 
And then as you're sitting there, if you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is you're, you're thinking about all the things you did before your sit, or you're thinking about the errands or things you need to do after your sit, you realize you're now sitting with your thoughts and you're plotting and planning. You're not sitting with God in the present moment. Then you reintroduce that sacred word to come back to the present moment, let go of your engaged thoughts, and then let go of that word as well, and just to come back to the present moment and your purpose of just sitting with God and opening to the presence of God within. So you just use that word when needed. You don't use it as a mantra. There are mantra practices where you're saying it repeatedly. In Centering Prayer's case, you just use it when needed. Sometimes you don't need it and you catch yourself. Other times you realize, there I go again, and you just use that word to let go of your engaged thoughts, and then you let go of the word as well. So that's a little bit of, I guess, the history, how old it is, how it was created, what it is, and then, you know, how someone does it. I like that it uses a word to bring you back to that centeredness, because I know personally for myself, when I started doing meditation and I tried to do the whole sitting in stillness, um, and I talk about this in my book, how my mind would just wander to the craziest things like, oh, we have taco pizzas. Why don't we have pizza tacos? Like why, you know, it's the dumbest, craziest thing because my brain would be, you know, swirling with information. And I know there's a lot of people out there saying, yes, I have ADD and oh, look, there's a chicken. So it's hard for me to sit in stillness and not, you know, not be able to focus. So I like that there's a word that you come back to when you notice that your mind is wandering that can bring you back because I think that's what's difficult for a lot of people is trying to keep their focus on one thing during a, a certain period of time. Right, and, you, and it doesn't have to be a word. So I, you can use a word if you're more of an auditory person. I realized I was more of a visual person. You can picture an image in your head. So that's what I actually do. Some people are more physical, so they use their breath. And then some people don't want to close their eyes because they're fearful they'll fall asleep. So they keep them open and just stare at a spot, perhaps five feet in the distance on the ground, just to keep themselves in the present moment. So you can use, I guess we call it a sacred word, but it's really a sacred method, some way of bringing yourself back to the present moment so that you're not following your thoughts and emotions with wherever they take you. I like that you can change that up for whatever best suits your style. Now, how long did it take you before you were able to really sit in the stillness and not have your mind wandering to every little thing that you had to do for the day? Well, I mean, even, even though I've been practicing since 2014, each sit can be different. So there can be sits where my mind is racing and I'm using the sacred image in my case frequently then there's other times where it's i am calmer so i think each sit really can, can each sit can be different and that doesn't mean you're you're failing at your practice if you show up and and use your sacred method to come back to the present moment you, you know you're doing the practice right Th thoughts are really a natural part of the whole thing so um it, they're a good thing. They're, they're part of the process and you're never going to stop thinking. You're just going to let go of your thoughts when they come, whether they're racing one time and, and less frequent another time. Now, how has the centered prayer affected you in your life? What, it, what have you noticed since you started doing this practice? 
Sure. And I think each person will say something different, which is the neat thing. Um, you know, fruits of the practice that you notice outside of, of the practice. And you know, I th it's God gracing us with God knows what, what we need um, to live our everyday life. So in my case, when, if I look back and, and compare what was I like pre-June 2014 and how am I now and, and how am I continuing to grow and, and evolve, I'm definitely a much more confident person. I'm, not afraid to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things, which really is evident of many of the things I'm doing now were not even on the radar screen. The writing and publishing a book was not even on the radar screen. Being on podcasts with you and other people was not on the radar screen. Speaking to small and, and, and large groups was, was not you know, on the radar screen. Coaching people was not on the radar screen. So it's moved me out of my comfort zone and it's challenged me to to do things and, and help people. Um, I, I've other fruits, you know, I have more, more inner peace and calm or the ability to calm myself down quicker when I notice that, that I'm getting anxious. Um, and then I think I'm less reactive to people and I'm more willing just to listen to people and not, and just give them the space they need, not render an opinion and just realize I'm just going to sit and listen to this person. They just want me to hear them. They don't want me to render an opinion or disagree with them. They just want me to, to know that I'm listening. So some of those, definitely a, a lot of those fruits uh, since I've been practicing and, and I'm sure the fruits will continue that God will grace me with. I love that. And uh, I think a lot of people right now need to build their confidence and need to work on the ability to listen to others without the intent of responding necessarily, but just listening. So I think that's a very a good thing that a lot of people could benefit from. So how did you go from you're doing this yourself and you're experiencing all of these amazing things and now you decide you're going to write a book? How did you go from point A to point B? The book I'll blame on Amos Smith's fault. I, I mentioned earlier I, I had read his book and he was the one that I learned about centering prayer. So I we began a back and forth email dialogue and, and we really became friends. And he asked me if I wanted to initially work with him and, and have a meditation go off of his site. So initially I was working off of his site, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots, with uh, I think Mondays and his emails were going out on Thursdays. And then he, then he just said, look, my book seems to be more academic, and I think you need to write a book based upon what you're experiencing with Centering Prayer and with your unique perspective. So initially, and, and this was back in 2014-ish, I think this was around May or so of 2014 when he asked me what I thought of that idea. And I thought he was nuts because you know I had never written anything bigger than six or seven pages in college. I didn't have to write a whole lot in school which probably not a good thing, but, but I, I said, well, how do I, do, how, how do I do this? And he said, well, take a week or two and just email me back single sentence statements of things that center, whatever comes to mind when you think of centering prayer. So I did that. And then I shot him about 13 or 14 single sentence statements. And then he came back with, there's your chapters, go write your book. <laughs> well, I decided, well, I just picked one of them and took a couple of weeks and wrote one chapter and figured I'd give it to him and get his reaction. And if he would, and he either would be like, this is great. I think you can do it. Or he'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy can't write. And I, I don't know why I asked him to do this, but to my surprise, He's, he thought there was something there. It was very interesting and unique. And he said, you really need to write a book. So then I 
instilled me with some confidence that maybe I should try this. So I asked my wife, what do you think of the idea of me writing a book? And she's always been, we always support each other in different things we want to do in our lives. Um, particularly since she's an entrepreneur and she owns her own business. So it was something like that was really right up her alley where, yeah, you should try something like this. So I, I decided I would write a book and write the book. And I just needed to figure out how will I do it? So I decided to write it on Saturday mornings um, while the family was sleeping. So I didn't take time away from my wife and the kids at that time. So I actually would get up at, on Saturday morning, believe it or not, at 530 in the morning, drive to the local Starbucks, this was all pre-COVID, and write the book for about three or four hours, get a cup of coffee, open up the laptop, and just write the book or type the book and let the words flow out of me onto, onto the pages of the typewriter, so to speak. So I got written over a couple of years, mostly at the local Starbucks. That's an interesting tale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love, and you, you know, you just kept at it and kept going and... I think a lot of people quit too easily when they're inspired by something or given an idea and they don't see it through. Uh, it takes a lot of passion and purpose to get up at 530. I'm just telling you because I do not get up at 530 a.m. on a Saturday for any reason generally, but to get up and go to Starbucks and, and work on your book, that's I love that. That's amazing that you had that drive to do that. So tell us now more about your book. So if someone were wondering, what's this book all about? What would you tell them? Sure. Well, the title, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. So it talks about, you know, what is centering prayer to help people understand what it is. It helps existing or people new to centering prayer learn about what it is and how to begin a practice. It also helps existing practitioners really go deeper in their practice. And then it talks about your true self, because I think we, we connect to our true self through centering prayer. You know, we, we let go of who we are not, and we become who we are, the, the person God wants us to be, our true self, which is, is a lifelong journey. It's not, a, it's not like, boom, I hit my true self. Every day, you're living your true self, and your true self you know, this year or the next couple of years is one true self, and in 10 or 15 or 20 years, your true self moves and, and changes. So the book also talks about, you know, who is your true self and connecting with, with your true self. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of that is, is with, within the book. And I talk about Jesus because Jesus, I believe I'm sitting with Jesus during this time. So I have a one chapter devoted to, you know, what scholars can tell us historically about Jesus that they think is true and that, you know, is it made up and is kind of true things about the historical man, Jesus as well. And I talk about paradox in, in the book because Jesus is God and human at once. And, and what, what does that mean? So the book talks a lot about, you know, centering prayer and how to do it and, and your true self, but it also talks about Jesus, the human and Jesus, the divine and, and paradox, just because that's important to me. So I guess a little bit of my theology and where I'm at comes out in the book as well. Well, I find that very interesting. Now, I would love to get your take on this. What do you think about the Western world and how Jesus is depicted in religion, do you think we got it wrong or some of it right, some of it wrong? What what have you learned in doing your research and studies? Um, I, I guess some people can go, they can either go, God, Jesus is completely divine and forget about the humanity of Jesus. 
and I think Jesus teaches us how to be human. It's just that you learn about Jesus and, and what we what you read and learn about and that what he teaches is he he teaches us how to be human. So I think some of the things we can we do in the Western world is we either make him all God and he's you know part human, or we make him as a great prophet. And, and I I think of him as as really God and human at once, the incarnation of God. So so we may put him at one extreme or the other extreme and not think of him as both. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that we do that and we tend to, I think a lot of people tend to forget that there was the human aspect and that gets overlooked a lot. So <clears throat> what have you seen this do for other people? Because I know that you now coach people and you also go around speaking to others as well. You speak to groups. How have you seen your life's work and what you're doing now with teaching centering prayer? How have you seen this work for others or helping others? Sure. I mean, it's, it's, and it's fun because I, I think of, I like to share centering prayer. I figured it's healed me and transformed me so much. I simply want to share it with others in case it can help them as well. I don't push it on others. I just say, here's a practice that's opened me to God, opened me to my true self. And I just want to share it in case it can do the same for you is, is really the approach I take. So when I look at like some of the different people I've coached, um, they've, they, they fall into three groups. There, there's, there's people that, want an accountability partner they're, they they know this is a practice that can help them and transform them and heal them but they want help with it so that group of people are people that are brand new to the practice want help you know how do i do it how do i start how do i remove kind of any interior barriers to it how do i make myself do this hold me accountable type of stuff and, and help me create kind of a longer term sustainable practice is one group of people that I help. And, and within that group, some, sometimes these people have different feelings about God and, and some of them know, believe God loves them and others are fearful of God and think of God as judging them. So, and critiquing them and perhaps doesn't like them. So we have to overcome some of those barriers too, as we, as they start a practice. And then there's another group that they're already practicing, but they're thinking, I'm, I'm just skimming the surface. I need to go deeper. You know, what, what else can I do? And we talk about things, you know, such as adding a second sit to keep the interior silence, you know, continuing in your day. And we talk a lot, a lot about who is your true self and are you living from this true self and what is this person and what does it look like? Um, so we talk about a lot of that with that type of person who's wants to go deeper into the depths of, of God and, and their practice. And then a third group of some people that have come along are, are pastors and priests. I, I've coached some priests and I've coached some pastors who say, you know, I'm doing a terrible job of self-care. I know it's important and I'm helping everybody else and not myself. And I'm probably going to burn myself out. So I've actually coached priests and pastors of different denominations on how to practice centering prayer and how to make it a, a continuous practice so that it helps them better serve their community. So that's been kind of the neat, exciting part with the coaching is, I guess a lot of people will say, you should have an avatar. This is your, this is your client. Well, my, I seem to have three avatars in a way. It's it, those three different groups that might come to me for coaching and I don't turn them, any of them away and say, oh, um, this is my avatar and you're not meeting it, so to speak. So that's been the exciting part of, of at least the coaching. And I've been able to help those three different groups of people, which is which is kind of neat to see how it's fallen out over the years. 
Um, and then from speaking perspective, the neat part is, you know, I'll, I'll come to a, and it's all been via Zoom, uh, I'll teach Centering Prayer to, a, and usually it's an adult formation group at a church has me come in and speak. They've never heard of Centering Prayer. So I've taught them another way to pray. And I, and I tell them, you know, it complements your other ways of praying. So don't eliminate them, enrich your prayer life. And this is another way of sitting, you know, being with God beyond words and thoughts where God's praying in us versus you doing all the talking. So in, in that case, I'm just sharing kind of a new way of praying that they're not aware of. And I remind him that this is something that really goes back to Jesus, that Jesus went off alone to pray, and we don't think he was always talking. He was just sitting quietly with God. So I think people don't realize in the Western world that silent prayer goes all the way back to Jesus, um, and even further in the Old Testament with be still and know I'm God and, and various mentionings of silence. So silent prayer goes all the way back to Jesus and before that, but people just don't realize it. And I want to go back to you were talking about the second group of people that you help when you do your coaching, which is people who maybe feel afraid of God and maybe they feel judged and they're not really sure what to make of God. How, what would you explain to someone who's maybe sitting out there and is feeling this way? Like maybe they feel disconnected. Maybe they feel like, God has abandoned them. Maybe they feel that things in their life aren't really going well and they're wondering what happened. Did God desert them? Because we know people sometimes go through those times in their lives where they can feel like they don't feel that presence as closely anymore. What advice would you give those people? How do you work with people to help them understand that God is not a judgmental God like we were always taught? Or maybe you think that God is. So Give us your perspective on that. I mean, I, I guess I tell them a lot of these are thoughts that are just not true. And part of centering prayer is letting go of your thoughts and just little B being with big B and just being with God. Um, so I, I talk about that. Um, and, and many times it might be a church or a group of people that are that are telling you this is this is how God feels when it's not. True. And I, and I guess I point them to Jesus, you know, the Jesus you read about in the Gospels is not a Jesus coming out and condemning people. Jesus is very inclusive and everybody has a seat and is welcome at the table. I'm envisioning if Jesus was came all of a sudden was here now sitting in my dining room, there would be a table full of all kinds of diverse people that Jesus would be sitting with. So I remind people that, you know, the Jesus that we read about in the gospels is not a Jesus condemning people and excluding people. It's, it's the opposite. He's, he's loving and welcoming and, and inviting everyone to have a seat at the table. So I'm just reminding people of all this. So I, th I think culture or churches or certain institutions or even other people have told or even maybe even your parents or grandparents have told you these things and you think they're true when when, when they're not <laughs> but and they're hard and then you got to let go of them and realize that's not true and and i guess i was there when i was younger in in high school you know i thought of god as above me critiquing me and it's taking me you know up until my late 40s to realize you know god is not up above me looking down at me criticizing or angry god is god loves me god is compassionate god um, wants the best for me 
and God is very patient and will wait for me to, to, to come around at times. And, and God is within me. God is within me. God is behind me, pushing me forward in life. God is walking with me. And God is even ahead of me, kind of pulling me forward to say, let's go, Rich, let's go. But I think of God as a loving, powerful, you know, passionate, compassionate um, God. But I wasn't that way, you know, in, in high school. So I, I get it. it. Some people have to God's not changing. God's waiting for us to realize that God isn't any of those things we, we think God is. So that's what's neat about centering prayer is you let God be God. You let go and let God be God and just sit with God. And I'm assuming that once you start this practice of centering prayer, you probably start to feel the presence even more, which then reassures the person who is um, doing the practice of centering prayer. Right. I mean, we really just keep showing up for the practice. If you think about it and you show up on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, you know, in the years past basis, you know, a lot happens where we, Thomas Keating referred to it as divine therapy. If you think about it, a couple of things are happening. One, we hold a ton of tension in our bodies. So every time we sit and, and silently meditate like this, we're releasing tension in our bodies wherever we hold it whether it's in your forehead or your shoulders or your stomach and you're releasing tension you're really you're letting go of thoughts because that's part of the process is i'm letting go and coming back to the present moment and you're releasing repressed thoughts and emotions that you didn't even know you have so if you think about it every time you sit you're releasing tension in your body thoughts and emotions repressed thoughts and you're just really freeing yourself and if you do this for years and years and years you're you're a lighter person, so to speak. I love that. And I think that um, I think there's a lot of value in just sitting in silence. And I've said that a lot, but having a practice that helps to guide you a little bit in how to do this, I think would be very helpful to a lot of people. So if we have people out there listening who are saying to themselves, this sounds like something I would like to try because I would love to be more confident in my own life. I would love to have more patience. I would love to feel closer to God and more connected. How can they buy your book or follow you so that they might be able to do that for themselves? Sure. I mean, the best place to find me is my website. So it's silenceteaches.com. And on my site, if they if they subscribe, they'll get I have a free and it's a short ebook on centering prayer that they can easily read through in 10 minutes or less that to familiarize themselves with centering prayer. And then if they want to go deeper in it, my, the, my book is right on my website. They'll see an about the books section and the books, the books really on the main homepage as well. So silenceteaches.com is the best place to find me. They can get my free ebook just to learn more about centering prayer. And then if they want to explore it even more, the, my book is, is on my website and they can purchase it through my website. It, it goes, it links them right to Amazon where everybody seems to have their books these days. <laughs> Yes, and I'm going to have the link in the show notes too. So if you want to go to his website and get the copy of the free ebook, which I highly recommend doing because it's so nice of you to put something out there that people can look at quickly just to give them a little jump start on what centering prayer is and how they can get started in that practice. I highly recommend you go and do that and check out his website. And uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Because I like to ask our guests 
to leave our listeners with a little piece of wisdom that they can take with them for the day. So I'm going to ask you now if you have a little nugget of wisdom that you can give our audience members today. Yeah, I would just tell people, I would encourage people maybe for 30 days to take a daily dose of silence. So, and perhaps it's centering prayer or some type of practice where you slow down. So I would challenge people before you begin your day, take a one to five minutes of silence or some type of silent practice if it's not centering prayer and do that for 30 days and just see what happens. But start your every day, no matter whatever day it is that you wake up. And if it's the weekend, you wake up differently. Just wake up and take one to five minutes of some type of silent practice for 30 days and, and see see what happens. I love that because I think a lot of people, you know, they'll talk about meditation and that they think meditation has to be that you sit for 20 minutes or an hour, several hours a day, and it's perfectly okay to start small. Right. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, I wouldn't encourage, I wouldn't say go 20 minutes. They, they may never do it, but I think make it easy one to five minutes and, and try it for 30 days. And then if it resonates with you, then start increasing the time and get it to 10 minutes and 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And then when you have it at that point, then I tell them to add a second sit at some point later in the day and do the same thing if you have to at one to five minutes and, and push it up slowly. And then before you know it, you have a, a twice a day practice of 20 minutes that you've been doing for years and it's just part of your life and you can't live without it. And that's what I was just going to ask you. So do you find that the more you started doing this, the more you wanted to do this and the more you wanted to sit maybe for a longer time? I did. I mean, I guess I miss my sits when I don't do them. So I, I rarely miss them. But the, the, the first the morning sit is is like is kind of a must, not because I feel like God will be angry. It's just I need it. It starts me. It's God and I sitting together and getting ready to partner for the, for the day. And then my second sit is really kind of refreshing myself, sitting with God again and refreshing my inner soul, nourishing, nourishing my soul. So they're time, they're just very much needed. And even like the second sit, no matter how busy I am, I stop and do it. And it has a way of helping me finish the second half of the day and get through my tasks because the letting go you do in centering prayer kind of comes with you outside of your practice. You let go of what you shouldn't do and hone in and focus on what you should do. So, so that's what I've learned is, is the practice is, is the great way to begin the day. And then it, it's partnership, sit with God and then partner with God. And then the second sit is really just refreshing, restarting myself, reconnecting, re-nursing my, my soul so that the second half of the day can be, you know, as, as well productive as, as the first half. And that's really important too. It's important to set your intention and tone for the day in whatever way that you do that. I always feel like having a morning routine is super important. And the afternoon sit, it's also important because we take on so much throughout the day, so much energy from other people and different things that have happened. And it's sort of like your afternoon coffee waking you up and, and getting you going again, which I think is important because we, most of us tend to lose a little bit of steam in the afternoon. So it really does. It really does rejuvenate you, refresh you. Um, I look back you know, later in the evening and look back and I'm, and I'm amazed at, at how productive I am. And it's because I took the time to stop. So many people will say, I don't have the time. And I'll say, it gives you back time. Trust me. When you, Because if you just 
you're going nonstop after your first sit, you, you burn out and you're probably not as productive and you're not as fresh. So you, you need to stop and take a break and, and refresh yourself. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, I think that you're right. I think people will be surprised how much time you actually get back when you're intentionally sitting in stillness and sitting in, in silence or in, as you put it, sitting with God, I think you get that time back because you feel, I'm a big believer in energy. So you feel so much more energy after you've taken that sort of mental and physical break for a minute just to really refocus. So I think that people will be surprised how much better that helps them. Right. And you have to try for yourself. We, we can tell people, but unless they're willing to try it, once they do it, they, they, they realize it's true because they experience it. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your wisdom with us and talking about your book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. I think that this is very, very helpful. And I think a lot of people are going to go to your website and, and download your free ebook and probably want more. So thank you for being here with us today. No, thanks for having me on. This was a lot, this was a lot of fun. So thanks a lot. Yes, awesome. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can leave me some stars on iTunes. And as always, I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.